very thankful for their fellowship as well. And it is a blessing to be able to strengthen friendships, make new friendships, and just to be able to enjoy the ministry of the Word of God together. Many of you have had a very busy day, maybe a very interesting day as well. But we certainly appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord's house. As we look at Proverbs 16, notice what it says in verse 20. The Word of God says, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. And we want to trust the Lord for His goodness in this life. We want to trust the Lord for happiness in this life. And we know that we can find it at Him. And this evening, we want to look at an interesting topic, maybe at first... You're going to say, what does this have to do with revival? But on the contrary, I think it has a lot to do with revival in the individual's heart. And it's dealing with the matter of your marveling over the Lord. And so I want to invite you to handle your marvel with care. And when I talk about handling your marveling over the Lord with care... We're going to look at the scriptures today to recognize that when people were in the presence of the Lord, it changed them in entirety. It changed their perspective. It changed how they handled the manners of this life. I'd like you to look with me at Psalm 16 to kind of thrust us into the introduction of the message, handling your marvel with care. And I want you to consider how you marvel over the Lord this evening. Have you found yourself in a position and in a place where you marvel over the Lord? And let me state that any time is a wonderful time of the year to reinstitute a marvel for the Master. And as we consider the word marvel... We are dealing with that which means a wonder, to admire, to be in awe of. Are you in awe of your Savior? Notice what it says in Psalm 16, beginning at verse number 7. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set... The Lord always before me, because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And maybe there's somebody here tonight who's lost gladness in the Lord. Maybe there's somebody here tonight who isn't rejoicing like they once rejoiced. And as we consider the psalmist, he is saying, I have set the Lord always before me. What or who are you setting before you? And that might be the very reason why you are missing this kind of marvel. Why you are missing this kind of gladness. 
this joy and rejoicing that is found only in the Lord. And so we're going to take some time to look into the book of Matthew. And by way, again, of introduction, we are going to see just real quickly as we turn the pages of God's Word, beginning in Matthew chapter 8, we are going to see one of the reasons why the people marveled at Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in Matthew 8 and verse 27. And just picture yourself being on the scene for this opportunity to marvel. The Bible says in Matthew 8 and verse number 24, Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. His disciples came to him, awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled. They were in wonder. They were in awe. They admired the Savior, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And friends, we are being challenged on handling our marvel with care. This same Jesus that we have committed our souls to is the same Jesus that was in control of the waves and the wind. We ought to marvel at who He is this evening. Go to Matthew chapter 9 and look with me in the following verses. In Matthew chapter 9, it says this in verse 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man. This is a man who could not speak, possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled. They wondered, they admired, they were in awe. They marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. They marveled over the master's power over devils. They marveled over the master's power over the mouth that could not speak. And this evening we are reminded to handle our marvel with care. Go with me to Matthew 27 real quick like. Towards the end of the gospel according to Matthew. This could also be found in Mark 15. But I want to show you Matthew 27. And I'd like you to look with me at Matthew 27, beginning in verse number 12. In Matthew 27, verse number 12, And when he, Jesus, was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he, Jesus, answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. They marveled, the governor marveled over the master's ability to stay silent in fulfillment of prophecy, even when everyone was accusing him falsely. I don't know about you, but when I'm falsely accused, I've got something to say about it. I didn't do this. 
but with Christ. Not just the ability to stay silent as a lamb before her shearers is dumb, but the fact that he did so to fulfill all prophecy as the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the entire world. And here, the governor marvels. In the other passages, the people marveled, they wondered, they admired, they were in awe of who Jesus was in their day. I'd also like you to turn to the Gospel according to John. And as John, in his unique way, by the inspiration of the Spirit, John 4, we find this account of a woman at the well. And as you consider John 4, I would like you to look at verse 27. And without going into the whole account of the woman at the well, notice what it says in John 4, verse 27. Upon this came his disciples, and his disciples, if you will, and they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? They marveled that the master would speak to such a woman as the woman at the well. And not just the fact that she was of the country and nationality that she was, but that he would speak with her, the disciples of Jesus Christ. Though they have walked with him for a little while, they marveled, they admired, they wondered. Go to John chapter 7 and look at verse 14. And all that we are doing is we are priming the pump for the thrust of the message that is to come. We are looking at verses that deal with people throughout Jesus' day as he walked in this earthly ministry that admired and wondered and marveled over Christ. And I ask you, have you lost the marvel? Just coming to church, has it been routine? Maybe even just reading your Bible, has it been routine? Has it just been something that you do? Or are you in awe? Are you at wonder because of the Master? Notice what it says in John chapter 7, beginning in verse number 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and taught... And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? In essence, they are saying, Isn't this the carpenter's son? He didn't have all of those opportunities that all of us have, but yet look at how learned he is. And they marveled that the master was so educated without receiving formal education of their day that he spoke with such power, he spoke with such authority. And as you read the Gospels, multitudes would gather to hear what Jesus would have to say next. They marveled marveled over his instruction. I would like you to take your, the scriptures and turn to Luke chapter 2 with me. And this is where the thrust of the message is going to come. This is where we are going to spend the majority of our time reinstituting the marvel in our lives. Because I dare say that it has come to a point that maybe because of the busyness of life, Maybe because of what we busy ourselves with. Maybe what we have replaced our time with the Lord with. We have missed the marvel of the Master. When in essence we could set Him before us. 
We could be reminded of how it once used to be when we heard those messages preached. We could be reminded of those songs that we used to sing or hear sung. We could be reminded of how excited we used to be to bring in the children to teach the children because of a love and a marvel for the Master. And this is why this tends to be a great revival understanding in the Scriptures. Because when the heart of a man or a woman is revived, there is a marvel that is lit again. Notice what it says in Luke 2. It says this in Luke 2, noted in verse number 23. And Joseph, or 33, Luke 2 and verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And this evening we are going to look at a few of those things that were spoken. We're going to see those things that were stated and what followed. And hopefully this evening it will be something that causes us to say, I want the marvel lit again. I want a fervor again. I don't want to be as excited or more excited about the things of this life than I am about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So number one this evening, I'd like you to notice a very simple point. Allowing marveling to begin in your heart. Allow the marvel to begin or allow the marvel to be revived in your heart. Notice what it says back in Luke 2 in verse number 19. The Bible says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. If you back up just a little bit, it says in verse number 16 that they came with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered. Now I want you to pause right there and see that word wondered. That word wondered is the same word in verse 30 marveled. It comes from that same defining word, wondered, marveled, to admire, to be in all. It says in verse 18, they that heard it wondered at those things that were told them by the shepherds. And then we come to that allowing the marvel in the heart. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. When you consider the wonderful things of the Lord, when you consider the Sunday school message upon thinking whatsoever things are true and just and lovely, good report, all of those things that we looked at, there are things in this life that we take and we tuck them away and we keep them and we ponder them over and over again and it changes us. Here is a mother that is in awe of her precious child that she has brought into this world. But she understands through Joseph's testimony as well as her own that this is a miracle child. This is the virgin born Jesus Christ. This is nothing of Joseph's doing, but it is all of God's doings. And then all of the shepherds spreading abroad and all of them telling about the angels that appeared before them and spreading the news about Jesus. Mary sits there and keeps these things 
and ponders them in her heart. As we consider this point, allow the marveling to begin or allow it to be revived in your heart. We think about what Mary does at this very moment. She is not the one expressing with her mouth. She is not the one going around and telling everybody. She is just the one taking it all in. This is what they are saying about Jesus. This is what they are saying about the baby boy that I get to hold in my hands, that I've birthed in to this world. This is so wonderful. And she begins to marvel. She begins to embrace that child and say, wow. And many of us understand what it's like to say, wow, at the wonder of what it's like to bring a baby into this world by the good grace of God. To be able to hold a young life in your hands. And it gives you a renewed value in life. And therefore, investment on your part. I'm going to care for. I'm going to protect. And wow, what a precious gift this is. But could you imagine holding? Holding the Christ child, the chosen one, the one that was prophesied by Isaiah, the one that the angel came and solidified and said that born unto you is going to be the one who takes away the sins of the entire world. And as the shepherds begin to proclaim how angels appeared unto them, and as they came and worshipped, and all of that splendor was taking place, Mary keeps these things. And she ponders them in her heart. Day after day, wondering about the gift that has been given to her, Jesus Christ. And as you consider the marvel that's in your life, how wonderful is it when you take the Christ and you begin to ponder and you begin to keep and you just won't let go. But the thoughts of Jesus remain within and you read about Him calming the storm and you read about Him casting out devils and you read about Him calming the, or taking the, de the dumb tongue and giving it speech again and you read about His instruction and you read about how they marveled over His silence and we take those things and we hold them close and we say, there isn't no one like our Jesus. And we marvel. See, we're not just here to fill an empty space in this place. We are here to worship and to praise the one who loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son on the cross. Jesus who gave his life that we might be redeemed and saved. Praise the Lord for that gift of grace. That gift that was given to us in mercy. Thank you Lord for dying on the cross and rising again the third day. And we keep these things. And we ponder them in our hearts. Allow the marveling to begin or be revived in your heart. The second thing I want to mention is to advance the marveling by walking right. Advance the marveling by walking right. Notice walking according to the word. It says this in verse number 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard, had heard and seen and it was to, as it was told unto them. 
And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, to confirm that they were moving according to the word, let's take the time to see it. Turn to the left, if you would, to the book of Leviticus. And you say, ah, the book of Leviticus boils, disgusting, blisters and oozing, disgusting. But yet there was so much in the Leviticus that was being fulfilled in the Christ child according to the law of God. There was so much that was being established in the law of the Lord that later on is going to be a schoolmaster that points people to Jesus Christ. In Leviticus 12, Notice what it says in verse number 1 to understand that Mary and Joseph, they made a move according to God's word. It says in verse number 1, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man have conceived seed and born a man child, then she shall be unclean seven days. According to the days of the separation for her infirmity, shall she be unclean. Verse number 3, In the eighth day of the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. And we're going to pause right there as it continues to go through. If a, if a lady would bear a woman child, and then it also brings in the sacrifices of turtle doves for those who didn't have a lot of money, and the additional sacrifices for those who did, thus understanding Mary and Joseph, they didn't have much in this world until the wise men delivered those gifts unto them. But as we consider what the Word of God says in Leviticus chapter 12, we understand that Mary and Joseph were walking according to the Word of the Lord as a young married couple, as somebody who is moving forward with children, not just the Christ child, but those that were to come in their family. These were a couple, they were a couple that followed the law of God. How encouraging is it today when you find a young couple who says, we want to follow God's word. We want to be obedient to the scriptures. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We know that the word of God is important for us today. There will come a day when they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, but we need to stand fast. We need to hold to the teachings of the word of God because we know that these are profitable for us. They help us to grow as we continue in them. They were obedient to what they knew to do according to the word. Can we pause right here and just thank the Lord, ladies, that we are in the day of grace. 
I mean, I don't know if we've ever thought about it on this aspect, but as you give birth, not having to fulfill the law, because the law is fulfilled in Christ, and you don't have to keep these things that are being kept right here in the Scriptures, including the sacrifice. I remember preaching up in Anchorage, Alaska in a church up there, and preaching in that church for a youth revival. In comes a lady who just had a baby that day, but she wanted to be at revival service that night. And that's okay if that's not what you would have done, but she would not have done that back in Jesus' day. Not if she was a good law-abiding Jew. And here is Mary and Joseph saying, we are obedient to the Scriptures. And here's what I'm getting at. Never replace marveling over Christ an excuse for the excuse of being obedient to God's Word. Meaning, there's lots of people who marvel and have this outward expression of their praise and their worship, but yet there's no obedience to the Word of God. And as I consider the testimony of Mary and Joseph, we find a couple that teach us we keep these things, we ponder these things, we marvel over the Master, but we are obedient to the words of Scripture. Now as we consider that, we go back to Luke chapter 2. And as we look at Luke chapter 2, we understand that marveling is never a substitute for obedience to God's Word, but marveling ought to encourage obedience to God's Word. When you sit there and contemplate the goodness of the Lord, when you sit there and contemplate who your God is, it ought to bring you to a place where you say, Yes, Lord, to your Word. Yes, Lord, to your will. Notice there's not just in advance of walking in the Word, but there is an advance of walking in the Spirit. And it says in Luke chapter 2, it brings to us the attention of verse 27. Luke chapter 2, verse 27, the Bible says in verse, how about verse number 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, Leviticus 12, then he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. And we pause right there. We consider that through obedience to the word, and also through a man walking in the spirit, there was a divine connection. There was God bringing together something that was so wonderful. A marveling within the heart of Simeon. A marveling within the heart of the parents. Somebody who is walking in the law. Somebody who is walking in the Spirit. Somebody who is seeing these two things brought together over the marveling of Jesus Christ. Which leads me to a third thought. And that is a divine appointment that led to marveling. Have you ever had a divine appointment before in this life? and you knew it was God that was helping you in that very moment? You knew that God was getting your attention or using you to get somebody else's 
attention. Notice what it says in verse number 28. Then he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said... At this time of a divine appointment, there was a blessing that was given. Notice in verse 29, there was peace to be found in death. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Notice Simeon's situation by going back to verse 26. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now that he has seen the Lord's Christ, he gets to depart in peace, the Bible says. As we relate this to the understanding of having Jesus in your heart, we must recognize that until an individual receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will not depart in peace. There is other words, condemnation. There is other words, damnation. There is in other words, eternal death. But when somebody meets the Lord's Christ, when somebody believes on Jesus, there is a departing in peace. Aren't you thankful that at the day of your death, having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, having spiritually seen Him by faith, there is not a doubt in your mind, but there is a blessed hope, there is a peace that fills your soul. And how exciting is that? You can marvel over the Savior because you know He will guide you even unto death. And you rest assured in eternal life. Peace in departure. Notice verse 29. Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. You see, Simeon is trusting in the word that was given to him in the first place. And our faith is based upon the word that we have received. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. My assurance of salvation is based on the fact that when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I shall be saved as the Bible says. And all of those verses that go along with it. Now Lord, according to thy word. And guess what the Lord loves to move by? His words. You can never go wrong banking on the Word of God. You can never go wrong anchoring to the truth of the Scriptures because as we talked about yesterday, even the Holy Spirit, when He came, would only clarify and show forth and agree with that which is truth. Truth already established. As you consider what it says in Luke chapter 2, we see faith in the Word then we see there's this divine appointment that led to marveling at the salvation that was before them. Look at verse number 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. They marveled at the salvation that wasn't hidden anymore. In verse 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, the preparation of God. As it says in Revelation, the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. As you read through the prophets, prophesying of what was to come, now Simeon gets to hold the Christ, the Chosen One, the Messiah in his arms, and he gets to marvel at the preparation 
preparation of the way of salvation before all the face of the people. Then we see he marvels that the salvation was also for the Gentiles. And notice this is well before Paul spoke it. It says in verse 32, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Hey, we are thankful for how Christ came and by whom he came by. Because if he didn't come by God's chosen people, Israel's race, then he would not be the chosen one. But we are very glad that he isn't just for Israel. And by the way, you will talk to people and probably have that say this. Well, we believe that we ought to have different religions for different places of the world. Not everybody needs America's religion. Hey, this isn't America's religion. It was well before America. It's based in God's chosen people, that centralized location where everything one of these days is going to focus back on. And as you consider that, they are rejoicing and marveling over the salvation that's also for the Gentile. And then we see they're marveling that Jesus was the glory they awaited. The glory of thy people Israel. And with everything that is stated in those verses, it says in verse number 33, that Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. They wondered, they admired, they were in awe of. But you must understand that with all of that marvel and with all of that awe, also came these words in verse 34. Simeon blessed them, said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Verse 35 Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And can you for a moment fast forward in your mind in the Scriptures? As Simeon is speaking to Mary and Joseph, that there is a sweet lady at the foot of the cross, weeping over the loss of her earthly son. And as Jesus sees his mother, he looks at John and says, Behold thy mother. In essence, passing on his responsibility to care for his mom. And a soul is being pierced that day in sorrow. Not just in the Christ, but also in the mother. As her heart is broken over what she is seeing happen before her eyes, but yet something she knew was prophesied about. And with all of the marvel, there had to be sorrow. And we are reminded that in this life, there is so much sorrow. But that should never take away the ultimate marvel that we have in Christ. Amen. Notice how all of this came to be. It says, as we back up in Luke chapter 2 and we begin to read at verse number 25. There was a certain man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation, the comforter of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, key to understand about Simeon, along with being just and devout. Notice verse 26, It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
Then in verse 27, He came by the Spirit into the temple. Friends, you read about Paul being led by the Spirit. You read about Paul being forbidden by the Spirit. You read about the Spirit of God guiding people in the Scriptures. And I know it's kind of hard to explain, except for the fact that as you are walking with God, it's like you'll just know. It's not against what the Scriptures say, but it's according to the leading of God in your life and according to the Word of the Lord. By faith, you are making this step according to what you know God has established and what God has said. And there's something about marveling over the Master that leads a person to a step of faith. I was asked to share this illustration my wife and I had driven back from Alaska, 63 hours of driving one way. And as we came back from Alaska in the month of August, hot Illinois camp we were getting prepared for. We had that camp, it was a wonderful camp, and shortly after that in September, we had another revival in central Illinois. Rachel went to go get groceries one day, and I'm sitting there in the house, and I'm just reading the Bible same house that we are in now, the missions house at Princeville Baptist Church. And as I'm reading through, I came across a verse about faith. And God was really pressing upon my heart. And I knew it was Him. He wanted me and Rachel to go back up to Alaska. But how am I going to tell Rachel, who is a little more financially minded than I am, a little bit better with the money than I am, that we need to go back up to Alaska because I feel like God wants us to go. It was more than just I feel like. I felt led according to God's word. And in prayer, this is what I was supposed to do. I just couldn't shake it. So Rachel gets home. Talked the other day about that eye and that look. You know what I'm saying? But when I presented to her what God was doing in my heart... Honey, I think God wants us to go back up to Alaska. I know it's only been a month and we need to fly up there and it costs a lot of money to fly up to Alaska. We don't have much more than what the tickets are. I've already looked them up. We don't have much more than that in the bank account. But I believe God wants us to do this. She looked at me and said this. I trust your walk with the Lord. Okay. What? Yeah, I trust your walk with the Lord. You know how humbling that is to hear that. So I got online and I got the tickets. We didn't tell anybody that we were coming. One of our supporting churches in Anchorage, Alaska, of which your pastor was part of at the time, we were just going to stop into that church because they were a supporting church. They had been so sweet to us over the years. We knew that we could step in there and be loved on. When we stepped into that church... We had several people come up to us and say, What are you doing back in Alaska? You were just here. And this was our answer. We don't know. But we know that God wants us here. We just don't know why. Sounds foolish, doesn't it? But sometimes the things that sound foolish to man are full of faith and wisdom to God. There was somebody else that came up to us that morning, Sunday morning church, 
First Sunday there in Alaska, didn't tell anybody else that we were coming up except for her family. We arrived there at the church, and there was a pastor from another location in Alaska, from Seward, Alaska. Why was he at this church? Well, not only is he related to the pastor of the church, but he had the football team from Seward, Alaska that he coaches. They were way up on the tip-top of Alaska having a football game, but couldn't make it back to church for Sunday, so he stopped in Anchorage at his father-in-law's church to attend church services that Sunday morning. He came up to me, Brother Justin, what are you doing up here in Alaska? I don't know. We just know God wants us here. Why don't you come down next week and start a school revival with us? I said, okay, we've got nothing else to do. Let's plan it. So we did. So preached on Sunday, kind of kicking it off and encouraging the teenagers of the church to bring out their friends. In the evening message, I mentioned something about my skateboarding past and history. But I used it kind of like an illustration of how I used to use that to reach kids on the streets in Pensacola, other skateboarders as I was skating by. And back in those days, I went down to the Waterfront Rescue Mission and purchased a suit that was a little too big, but still looked like it fit pretty well. And I would skate in the suit. Because you have no idea how much attention that would draw. And the other skateboarders would be like, you can't skate in a suit. Watch me. But they'd ask, why are you skating in a suit? Well, I'm down here at college to be a preacher. Really? And I started talking to them about Jesus. Sometimes they'd want to hear more and sometimes they wouldn't. So I said that story up in Seward to those teenagers. Monday, I'm out there with the pastor, the coach of the football team, the high school football team. He's striping the lines of the football field in Seward, Alaska. We're walking back and forth. We hear the school bell ring around 3 o'clock or whatever time it was that afternoon. And out comes the kids. We put up the chalk and the paint or whatever it was we were using. And we went towards the end of the football field, which is walking towards the school. And there were two young teenagers walking towards us. And one of them had a skateboard in their hands. He was the one that was at church last night. And instantly I thought, oh no. I told this young man I used to skate, but he probably didn't hear the word used to. He got closer, he put the skateboard down, he rolled it over to me, and he said to his friend, that preacher can skate. I stopped the skateboard like this, and I did one of those Nehemiah-like prayers. Lord, it's been a few years. Not exactly like riding a bike, but Lord, you're going to have to help me, and if it's for your glory, would you? And for those of you who have ever been on wheels like that, there's a difference doing tricks while you're ro rolling or if you're just sitting still. And I lie not. Every single thing I tried, the Lord helped me to land. I ollied, I pop shove it, I heel flip, kick flip, hard flip, 360 flip, did a handstand, flip the board, and land back on my feet. I took the skateboard, slid it back to the kid. Their mouths were... And though my mouth wasn't wide open, on the inside it was... But you got to play it cool for the kids, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that young man came out and trusted Christ that week. 
During that week, there were five or six kids that professed Jesus as their Savior. The Lord knows the results. But I happen to wonder, what if I didn't take God seriously in those moments where he was leading me somewhere? What if Simeon didn't take God seriously in those moments where God was leading him, but he knew, this is God telling me to do it. Divine appointment, Christ child, the salvation has come, the one that you've prepared before all of Israel, the glory of Israel is here, and he rejoices. I wonder if Philip never would have listened to the Spirit. What about that eunuch that was traveling and going all, but what about him? Sensitivity. That led to marveling? Marveling that leads to sensitivity? It changes things. Maybe this evening, we just need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I've lost the marvel. And I know it. And I know you know it. And I want to set you before me in such a way that I'm glad now. And I rejoice because I've been taking too many other things and setting them before me. Things that maybe profit in this life, maybe don't. But the one thing I'm definitely failing at is setting you before me. And Lord, I just want you to know I haven't said it in a while. I love you. You're amazing. And I want to wander again. I want to be in all of you again. I don't want to fall into a rut. It's just like a grave, but with both ends kicked out. I want to know what it's like to be on fire for you again. I love you, Lord. Maybe that's where you're at this evening. Let's handle our marvel with care. Our Lord and Heavenly Father.